The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Now on Bloomberg 99.1. With divided government, what are the political realities? The president is increasingly frustrated. I want to try to cut through the noise. Politically, this is devastating. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. It is no secret that I care a lot about the consumers. There are real questions about big tech. We still have more leverage to use with the tariffs. I think we could do with a little less drama from the White House. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Super Bowl Friday, everybody. A snowy Friday, just a couple of days until the president is set to deliver his State of the Union address. We're going to talk about what the president just said before departing for Mar-a-Lago for the weekend to continue that State of the Union prep work. He says he's going to be making a special announcement come Tuesday night for that. Meanwhile, negotiations uh, between the U.S. and China continue. Jobs Day, we're going to get an update on the economy. We've got an all-star panel today. Uh, Senator Ben Cardin, a Democrat from Maryland, I just interviewed him. We're going to hear what he has to say uh, about the State of the Union, about the state of the U.S.-China trade negotiations, and the state of the NFL, which has been very much politicized in the past couple of years. And in addition to that, we're joined by the general counsel for the Baltimore Ravens, Brendan Etheridge, uh, a really rising executive within the within the league. He's here with us uh, in studio uh, as well. And Shannon Pettypiece, Bloomberg News, a White House reporter, Craig Gordon, D.C. Bureau Chief, also helping us uh, get through what has become a very, very busy news week. What a day. As the snow was falling, the negotiations continuing between the U.S. and China, the president did make some news today. He spoke with uh, uh, tons of reporters, including our very own Margaret Talev, as we heard. Uh, and Essentially, it's all gearing up for Tuesday night. Tuesday night is the president's State of the Union address. It was supposed to be the other week. Of course, the partial government shut down, delaying it uh, until uh, until Tuesday evening. Uh, and he says he's going to make a major announcement. Here's what he said earlier today. Take a listen. You'll hear the State of the Union, and then you'll see what happens right after the State of the Union. So... Shannon Pettypiece, Bloomberg News White House reporter, he's really playing his cards close to vest in terms of what exactly he's going to announce on whether or not he's going to declare a national emergency or to try to wait and see what Congress right. comes up with. Well, so this is the second time now that he's teased some sort of major announcement, the second time in recent weeks or since this whole shutdown debate 
started that he's teased some major announcement that we all thought was going to be declaring a national emergency and ended up it wouldn't be. If you remember a few weeks back, there was this Saturday afternoon announcement he was going to make. Uh, so uh, we don't really know as far as whether he's going to declare a national emergency or not. You know, I've my reporting indicates that it's something the White House feels they have in their back pocket if they need to. If it doesn't look like they're going to get a deal through Congress. They have this that they can pull out, but they're still letting the sort of talks play out. Um, and, you know, really, this is this ball is in Congress's court. This is they, they handle appropriations. So Congress can pass something. The president uh, can can choose not to sign it. He can veto it. And Congress can override that veto. So this really is up to Congress. At this I was point. I was talking with some administration officials earlier this afternoon, and, and, and they, I, I think, suggested that. They're under the belief that next Friday is when they're hopeful that a major development would occur from a deal perspective from Democrats and and Republicans up on the Hill. Right. Well, their timing's been off a lot. Yeah. Because I'm wondering who uh, they're talking to right. on the hill with they're, that timeline. Right. Right. I mean, I remember before Christmas, they thought they'd get a deal done right before Christmas. They then it didn't happen before the Christmas New Year holiday. Uh, then they thought as soon as everybody got back and Pelosi was sworn in uh, as you know became the speaker that they would get a deal then. Then they thought that they would get a deal yeah. right before the government the employees missed their first paycheck. And then they thought, well, right after they miss a paycheck, we'll get a deal. So so I mean, they've been off about a lot of things. I mean, you know. Until the time they're right. But I mean, yeah, I think so much of it is in Congress's hands now. And I think the White House is kind of sitting back to some extent because they tried to get really involved and lead these negotiations and they went nowhere. Um, You know, the vice president didn't really have the relations. Mick Mulvaney didn't really have the relationships to get this through. The president didn't do any favors. Um, So now, you know, you you have members of Congress who have made deals before in these sort of tough climates and maybe they can pull this one off again, too. I want to talk about the economy. But before I get to that, Shannon, I'm hearing that the president's going to try to deliver an uplifting State of the Union address. I mean, but he's going to they're saying it's going to be uplifting. They're saying it's going to be try to be unifying. But I mean, he's going to be talking about a lot of divisive topics. Well, it comes at a moment. It comes at a a very, yeah, as you said, divisive moment with this, these shutdown talks underway. And immigration. And I mean, right. So it could be an opportunity. He could definitely use it as an opportunity to sort of get some leverage in these negotiations and bludgeon the Democrats. But as of now, right, what the, the message coming from the White House is, is that it will be a very traditional State of the Union. It will be positive. It will uh, talk about unity. Um, and I mean, for as far as the president's past State of the Unions, well, he's done one past State of the Union and one um, joint address. They have sort of been these scripted uh, right. traditional moments, and those go over well. I, I mean, it's, there's no reason that I think um, he shouldn't necessarily do those ones unless he wants to use that big primetime slot and thinks that that can help him in some way. If only everything, you know, things used to be unifying, things like the Super Bowl. We're going to talk a lot about how the, the NFL has been politicized. Uh, by President Trump. Uh, later on in the show, I actually asked Senator Ben Cardin about that, Democrat from Maryland, and also got his take on on all of these negotiations as well. We'll play that uh, coming up. Uh, but we did get some economic data today. And in fact, uh, the Labor Department said it was closely watching uh, the unemployment rate and, and from the 35-day partial government shutdown. And it truly was unable, they said this, unable to quantify the effect on the private sector of the shutdown. Uh, and the unemployment rate ticked up to a seven-month high of 4%. Larry Kudlow, speaking on Bloomberg Television earlier today to my colleagues, take a listen to what the president's chief economist said about the unemployment. 
More people are working and prospering. Uh, and by the way, it's not inflationary, okay? And productivity is rising. And the policies of lower tax rates and deregulation and energy and trade reform uh, are working. Uh, we are sticking with our 3% economic growth rate. So that was Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economist. Uh, Shannon Pettypiece, Bloomberg News, White House reporter. So that's, I mean, they're going to talk about the economy and the State of the Union address, also on foreign policy. And there was a major major development today with the president's decision to withdraw from the Russia-U.S. Uh, nuclear arms deal. Mm-hmm. And that, right. that drew criticism and comes less than a day after the McConnell Amendment, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, a Republican, mm-hmm. advanced an amendment that essentially is saying they don't like the president's foreign policy decision to withdraw troops. Well, right, uh, on uh, Afghan and Syria. And, yeah. and, you know, the decision for the administration to withdraw from this nuclear INF treaty um, is something they have signaled for a while. They said that Russia is not in compliance with it. So why should the U.S. be complying? Uh, they said it's outdated because it doesn't include China. So, um, uh, you know, it's something that they had signaled. Not a big surprise. There's certainly people who think that there is a lot of value in the U.S. staying in this treaty. But I think it's important that you raise foreign policy as well as the economy, because foreign policy is going to be a big theme the next, certainly the next year until you know, things really ratchet into re-election mode, because that's one of the few areas where the president can do something. Yeah. On domestic policy, um, obviously we've seen they can't even pass a budget, so it doesn't look like domestic policy-wise he's going to be able to get much done, so see him turning more and more to foreign policy. Let me, let me follow up on the issue and help, help our, our audience understand this, because a lot of Democrats, including Senator Cardin, a senior member of the Foreign Relations Committee, we'll hear from him coming up, oppose the president's decision to withdraw from the INF treaty, the the nuclear arms treaty with Russia. Now, the White House is saying Russia isn't in compliance. So why are Democrats opposed to, to kind of sticking it to Russia in this particular case? Uh, well, I mean, I think there's this general sense that that the U.S. is better to stay engaged and to, you know, that these these treaties that bind us together, it's a better way to stay engaged and unified, whether it's on, um, you know, the WTO or yeah. NATO or, uh, um, you know, yeah, the Paris Climate Accord, you know, that, um, you know, the, uh, you know, trade, different trade pacts that, you know, the, the world is better united in with these rules. treaties and with these fronts, right, than with none at all and to yeah. sort of go off and, and we can continue to press Russia to comply, but now we're sort of flying without any sort of guidelines at all. All right, Shannon Pettypiece, stay with us after the break. We're going to get more into uh, news of the day coming up, and we're also going to hear from Senator Ben Cardin. We're talking all things foreign policy, and yes, even the Super Bowl. Remember, you can find our episodes online now through the iHeartRadio app, also Bloomberg.com, and on iTunes. Just search for Sound On. Uh, Great show coming up, great guests. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent. Happy Super Bowl Friday. Who are you rooting for, the Rams or the Patriots? I think it's no secret at this point that I'm not a New England Patriots fan. I am a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and I will be rooting for the Rams, despite what Goodell had to say about uh, that call. My gosh. We're going to talk much more coming up in the program with Senator Ben Cardin uh, about the politicization 
of the NFL in the Trump era and a chief counsel, Brendan Etheridge, chief counsel for the Baltimore Ravens, also with us uh, coming up in the next half hour. Uh, Shannon Pettypiece, uh, Bloomberg News uh, White House reporter with me, uh, taking us through the developments of today. The president um, en route right now to Mar-a-Lago, where he's going to be preparing for the State of the Union address. And... It comes following trade talks this week with China. It comes following continued domestic negotiations with Democrats over the wall, though it would appear that really those negotiations are central now uh, happening on Capitol Hill, I would say more mm-hmm. so. And it also comes as the Mueller investigation, and I want to quickly bring us up to speed on this because we heard from Roger Stone today as well. Shannon, what did he have to say? Well, Roger was back in court yeah. Um so it was another day in the Roger circus of, you know, him you know, coming out and the whole media circus around him. Uh, but in that one of the things that came out of that court appearance was a judge said that she's considering a gag order against Roger. And she wow. warned him not to treat this like it's a book tour or a talk show appearance. So, in other words, telling him to tone it down. But he doesn't um, know how to do that. Or she could impose a gag order. Well, um, you know, the issue here for Roger and the counter argument that he's made is that, you know, part of his livelihood is being a talk show host, a, a media personality, um, you know, going on info wars, posting things on, you know, that are controversial on social media. Um, but the judge is saying, listen, this is a legal proceeding. We need to make sure we have a fair trial. And when you think about it, yes, at some point, if this goes to trial, you're going to have a jury of people who are going to have to uh, make a determination. And um, the one possibility of the trial could be in October. Um, and if you're going to have nine, ten months of Roger out there, um, you know, pleading his case and giving his side, of the story, which he is entitled to do under the First Amendment, yeah. but at some point that becomes a uh, issue, you know, question of whether or not he can get a fair trial. I mean, as if Washington isn't a circus enough. I mean, yeah, now enter Roger got, Stone in a honestly, suit on a courtroom step. I yes. honestly think <laughs> for Roger Stone, a gag order would be worse than like being. I don't. I mean, I, that that's like a pretty damning. Roger Stone on a gag order. Welcome to, to Trump era <laughs> Washington on a snowy Friday, folks. Shannon Pettypiece, thank you uh, for bringing us up to speed on all of the developments of today. I, I, I want to talk now about my interview earlier with Senator Ben Cardin. He's a senior member of the Foreign Relations Committee, obviously a senior Democratic member of the Senate as well, a Democrat from Maryland. We talk all about foreign policy. Uh, and I, I started with Venezuela because what he had to say about that situation, well, I'll Let's roll tape. Here's Senator Cardin. I do want to start with the issue of Venezuela uh, and the president's decision to withdraw support from the Maduro regime. Is that something that you support? I do support that. Uh, under the Venezuelan constitution, Mr. Uh, president Maduro has lost all legitimacy. And then it falls on the National Council for the uh, acting or president until free elections can be held. And there's so many different moving parts to the situation in Venezuela. One of it is is the Maduro regime's relationship with Russia, with Iran, uh, and also with certain Chinese uh, telecommunications firms like ZTE. The president earlier this week meeting with the Chinese delegation on the issue uh, of trade. What would you like to see the president accomplish between the U.S. and China on these trade talks? Well, first, I think the president has set up the the trade agenda in a way that has been pretty detrimental 
his imposition of, of tariffs first against our closest allies, Canada and other countries, and then the way that he handled setting up the, the conversations with China, uh, we lost the help of our trading partners. Uh, we have legitimate concerns about China, but they should have been raised in conjunction with our other trading partners rather than the way the president did it. As a, way the uh, as a result, these tariffs have had a very detrimental impact on our economy. So what I want to see now is to calm things down. Let's get into significant trade talks and, and let's see whether we can't work out uh, a way to, to, to get a level playing field uh, in, uh, with our negotiations with China. Senator, you're one of the most senior uh, Democrats on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, I, I was struck by your statement earlier today criticizing uh, the president's decision to withdraw from the uh, Russia-U.S. Uh, nuclear arms treaty. Explain why uh, that, you believe that's the wrong decision. I was extremely disappointed by what the president did. Make no mistake about it, Russia is in violation of the INF uh, treaty. But the treaty is an important part of our arms control and leadership globally on reducing the threat of nuclear confrontation. We needed to challenge Russia within the context of the INF, not withdraw from the INF. Uh, now, there's a process of six months in which we hopefully the negotiations between Russia and the United States will result in, in the treaty remaining in effect. But the way the president goes about negotiating really raises, I think, the temperature much more than it should be. Yeah, you know, and, and all of this comes just a few days before the president's State of the Union address. You, you delivered the Democratic uh, weekly address uh, for, for this week. Uh, and in terms of the message that you hope uh, the president strikes, the tone the president strikes on Tuesday night, what are you, you going to be looking for? Well, I'm always uh, somewhat surprised by what the president does through his tweets, etc. We would like <laughs> to see the president give a conciliatory tone, first with the, uh, in regards to border security and the 35-day record shutdown of the federal government. It'd be nice that the president would encourage a bipartisan agreement between the Democrats and Republicans on border security. Our conference committee is heading in that direction rather than trying to blow up those discussions. It'd be nice if the president would really reach out to us and say, look, let's work together uh, rather than having these confrontations as we've seen from, from this White House. That's Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland, coming up his thoughts on how the NFL has been infiltrated by politics in the Trump era. Uh, and remember, you can catch my full interview with Senator Cardin on Bloomberg.com and catch all of our episodes on Sound On uh, on iTunes now, as well as through the iHeartRadio app. Just go on to iTunes, search for Sound On uh, and subscribe. And you can hear all of our recap of the day on the latest policy and politics with all-star reporters uh, and commentary from the insiders of Washington. Coming up, we talk football. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. 
Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent. Happy Super Bowl Friday. Who are you rooting for, the Rams or the Patriots? I think it's no secret at this point that I'm not a New England Patriots fan. I am a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and I will be rooting for the Rams, despite what Goodell had to say about uh, that call. My gosh. We're going to talk much more coming up in the program with Senator Ben Cardin uh, about the politicization of the NFL and the Trump era and a chief counsel, Brendan Etheridge, chief counsel for the Baltimore Ravens, also with us uh, coming up in the next half hour. Uh, Shannon Pettypiece, uh, Bloomberg News uh, White House reporter with me, uh, taking us through the developments of today. The president um, en route right now to Mar-a-Lago, where he's going to be preparing for the State of the Union address. And it comes following trade talks this week with China. It comes following continued domestic negotiations with Democrats over the wall, though it would appear that really those negotiations are central now uh, happening on Capitol Hill, I would say more Mm -hmm. so. And it also comes as the Mueller investigation, and I want to quickly bring us up to speed on this because we heard from Roger Stone today as well. Shannon, what did he have to say? Well, Roger was back in court. so it was another day in the Roger circus of, you know, him you know, coming out and the whole media circus around him. Uh, but in that one of the things that came out of that court appearance was a judge said that she's considering a gag order against Roger. And she wow. warned him not to treat this like it's a book tour or a talk show appearance. So, in other words, telling him to tone it down. But he doesn't um, know how to do that. Or she could impose a gag order. Well, um, you know, the issue here for Roger and the counter argument that he's made is that, you know, part of his livelihood is being a talk show host, a, a media personality, um, you know, going on info wars, posting things on, you know, that are controversial on social media. Um, but the judge is saying, listen, this is a legal proceeding. We need to make sure we have a fair trial. And when you think about it, yes, at some point, if this goes to trial, you're going to have a jury of people who are going to have to uh, make a determination. And um, the one possibility of the trial could be in October. Um, and if you're going to have nine, 10 months of Roger out there, um, you know, pleading his case and giving his side, of the story, which he is entitled to do under the First Amendment, yeah. but at some point that becomes a issue, a question of whether or not he can get a fair trial. I mean, as if Washington isn't a circus enough. I mean, yeah, enter Roger got, Stone in a I honestly, suit on a courtroom step. I yes. honestly think <laughs> for Roger Stone, a gag order would be worse than like being. I don't. I mean, I, that that's like a pretty damning. Roger Stone on a gag order. Welcome to, to Trump era Washington on a snowy Friday, folks. Shannon Pettypiece, thank you uh, for bringing us up to speed on all of the developments of today. I, I, I want to talk now about my interview earlier with Senator Ben Cardin. He's a senior member of the Foreign Relations Committee, obviously a senior Democratic member of the Senate as well, a Democrat from Maryland. We talk all about foreign policy. Uh, and I, I started with Venezuela because what he had to say about that situation, well, I'll Let's roll tape. Here's Senator Cardin. I do want to start with the issue of Venezuela uh, and the president's decision to withdraw support from the Maduro regime. Is that something that you support? 
I do support that. Uh, under the Venezuelan Constitution, Mr. Uh, President Maduro has lost all legitimacy, and then it falls on the National Council for the uh, acting or president until free elections can be held. And there's so many different moving parts to the situation in Venezuela. One of it is, is the Maduro regime's relationship with Russia, with Iran, uh, and also with certain Chinese uh, telecommunications firms like ZTE. The president earlier this week meeting with the Chinese delegation on the issue uh, of trade. What would you like to see the president accomplish between the U.S. and China on these trade talks? Well, first, I think the president has set up the, the trade agenda in a way that has uh, been pretty detrimental. His imposition of, of tariffs, first against our closest allies, uh, Canada and other countries, and then the way that he handled setting up the, the conversations with China, uh, we lost the help of our trading partners. Uh, we have legitimate concerns about China, but they should have been raised in conjunction with our other trading partners rather than the way the president did it. As a, way the as a result, these tariffs have had a very detrimental impact on our economy. So what I want to see now is to calm things down, let's get into significant trade talks, and, and let's see whether we can't work out uh, a way to, to, to get a level playing field uh, in a, with our negotiations with China. Senator, you're one of the most senior uh, Democrats on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, I, I was struck by your statement earlier today criticizing uh, the president's decision to withdraw from the uh, Russia-U.S. Uh, nuclear arms treaty. Explain why uh, that, you believe that's the wrong decision. I was extremely disappointed by what the president did. Make no mistake about it, Russia is in violation of the INF uh, treaty. But the treaty is an important part of our arms control and leadership globally on reducing the threat of nuclear confrontation. We needed to challenge Russia within the context of the INF, not withdraw from the INF. Uh, now, there's a process of six months in which we hopefully the negotiations between Russia and the United States will result in, in the treaty remaining in effect. But the way the president goes about negotiating really raises, I think, the temperature much more than it should be. Yeah, you know, and, and all of this comes just a few days before the president's State of the Union address. You, you delivered the Democratic uh, weekly address uh, for, for this week. Uh, and in terms of the message that you hope uh, the president strikes, the tone the president strikes on Tuesday night, what are you, you going to be looking for? Well, I'm always uh, somewhat surprised by what the president does and through his tweets, etc. We would like <laughs> to see the president give a conciliatory tone first with the uh, in regards to border security and the, and the 35 day record shutdown of the federal government. It'd be nice that the president would encourage a bipartisan agreement between the Democrats and Republicans on border security. Our conference committee is heading in that direction rather than trying to blow up those discussions. It'd be nice if the president would really reach out to us and say, look, let's work together uh, rather than having these confrontations as we've seen from, from this White House. That's Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland, coming up his thoughts on how the NFL has been infiltrated by politics in the Trump era. Uh, and remember, you can catch my full interview with Senator Cardin on Bloomberg.com and catch all of our episodes on Sound On uh, on iTunes now, as well as through the iHeartRadio app. Just go on to iTunes, search for Sound On, uh, and subscribe. And you can hear all of our recap of the day on the latest policy and politics with all-star reporters uh, and commentary from the insiders of Washington. Coming up, we talk football. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. 
You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 at 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back. Drive safe out there. Those roads are slick. Uh, Super Bowl weekend. We're talking the politics of the NFL. Uh, But we also, of course, are keeping tabs on all the developments coming out of the administration. President Trump, he's in Mar-a-Lago this weekend. He's preparing for that State of the Union address Tuesday night. We'll have all-star coverage of that. We'll be hearing from voices on both sides of the aisle. Remember, lawmakers have to get a deal in about just over two weeks in order to keep the government open. It all comes down to that wall and whether or not they're going to be able to uh, or whether or not the president is going to declare a national emergency or not. You know, it'll be interesting to see what the final number is on the wall and whether the president decides to go both ways on the issue of declaring a national emergency and taking the money from lawmakers. Remember, folks, there's a lot of lawyers who work here in Washington. Also, the developments with the trade this week and U.S. and China trade talks are continuing to go in a somewhat positive way. We also got uh, the jobs number, uh, the largest Uh, Jobs gains largest in the 11 months, uh, but the unemployment rate rose. Uh, Now the unemployment rate this month, 4%. So we're keeping tabs on all that, but we also are, of course, talking this Super Bowl weekend with our Washington bureau chief and NFL sports fan, Craig Gordon, and Brandon Etheridge, who is the general counsel for the Baltimore Ravens. Brandon, so this tweet comes out. Uh, from President Trump uh, when you when you guys are over in London as, as players are kneeling. And we were talking before the break about how you had a moment about whether to ignore it or to engage. And you met with lawmakers. You met with Congressman Cummings, the Democrat from Maryland, Senator Ben Cardin, who we had on earlier in the program, uh, the Democrat from Maryland. And then lawmakers essentially gave you guys advice about whether or not you wanted to get involved in these political treacherous waters of, of this Trump era. Uh, and I was I was really surprised by this, that the only NFL team to send a letter to to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on the bipartisan bill for criminal justice reform was the Baltimore Ravens. Tell me how that came about. Sure. So to uh, to really get to the end there, you know, back in when we sent that in what late November uh, this past year. Really have to go back to our first meeting in December 2017 yeah. with Congressman Cummings, where um, our players really, you know, said two things. They wanted to learn about criminal justice reform. It wasn't just about making noise. It was about, hey, let me be as educated as I can be on the existing legislation, um, proposed uh, changes in legislation, and new kind of legislation that might, that might be introduced. Um, but they also want to identify, you know, specific ways that they could understand what's happening in Baltimore specifically and. Uh, what steps that they could take to make li- make kids' lives better on the ground. So there's kind of a two-pronged approach there. But the biggest thing that, um, that Congressman Cummings said to us was that any action, any demonstration, any protest um, that's meant to bring about change has to be effective and efficient. Yeah. And if it's not effective... Effective and efficient. Effective and efficient. Effective if, and if efficient. what you're doing is neither, uh, you know... Uh, effective nor efficient, it's not going to work. If it's effective but not efficient, it's not going to work, right? So um, I I think when you fast forward to that next year, right, I think our players spent a lot of their own time learning about the issues, right? And and some of of what they know is just what they already know. But learn about the issues, met with Senator Cardin, asked, what can we do? Senator Cardin said, you can write a letter to Leader McConnell 
and that happened. It was effective and efficient, and it got exactly what we needed done. Craig Gordon, bureau chief for Washington Bloomberg. I actually think the administration underplayed their hand on this bipartisan criminal justice reform bill. I think it could have been a reset. I think it, I, I think you know you're hard pressed to find anyone who disagrees with this bill. And and truthfully, I mean, we were joking in the break. Keeping up with the Kardashians did an episode on this. Uh, yeah. So. I, and you've got one NFL team that stepped up to the plate to engage. They could have done more. I mean, uh, having just said Trump has is a master at sort of dominating the conversation, the, the oldest rule in politics is don't step on your own story. If you have a good day, let the good day, let that be the headline in the morning, in the afternoon, the next morning, the next morning. Keep that good day as long, alive as long as possible. Time and time again, Donald Trump, he can't help himself. Uh, the day they nominated Neil Gorsuch, a great day for the White House, a really a, a complete win for conservatives. They managed to put out some other story that day where Gorsuch almost became the second best story of the day. It happened during Kavanaugh a little bit. It's happened at different times where things, big tax cut win, and yet he's tweeting about the NFL, and he's right. taking the air out of his own balloon, and you, you just scratch your head as someone – We've covered politics for a long time together, Kevin. Like you sort of watch this happen, and these are unforced errors, and and they really make a lot of them. We've got less than a minute. Uh, I could talk about. I could go on in this segment, as you guys know, for a while. But Brandon, I want to give you the final word here, and we we are really pressed for time. Diversity at the executive level in the NFL. I know this is uh, something that really you're just leading by example on. I'm trying to. Um, Look, but to act like I started this um, at the executive level um, would would just be such a great disservice to the people who've fought before me uh, for me to be here. And, and one that I in particular have to call out, especially because, you know, today's the first day of Black History Month, is the, the first black general manager in NFL history, Ozzie Newsom, um, who was my inspiration, uh, who just stepped down. We have a new general manager, Eric DaCosta. Um, but it is incredibly important. We're doing great work. Yeah, um, but that's all we can say. Brandon Etheridge, uh, one of the youngest only uh, black executives in the league. Thanks for coming on. Have a good weekend, everybody. Kevin Cirilli, you're listening to Sound On. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.